We're speaking with Jackie Ramirez today, a long time, one of the first uh, fans on uh, San Diego's punk scene, and a writer for Substitute Magazine, which was San Diego's first punk scene. I'm rolling. Have you ever heard the uh, Tiny Tim, or not, the Billy, well, Tiny Tim did cover it, but it's a Billy Murray song from like 1920, early days of recorded mm-hmm. Uh, called I Love Me. Um, no, I don't know that one. So cute. Is that on one of your shows? I've played it before. Okay, because <laughs> I work Tuesday nights. I could. I didn't hear your show the other night. And Billy Murray, one of the most uh, popular recording artists of the first two decades of recorded music. Okay. Who I learned a lot about from Tiny Tim himself. Mm-hmm. He taught me more about that era than anybody else. From second, Tiny Tim. That's the so second though, person to most knowledgeable uh, about that era, Betty Blue. Oh, right. Yeah. And I probably learned the next most from him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He was and good friends with era. Tim. Yeah. 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 Of course. He of wrote course. Tim's obituary yeah. in the Union. I still have that. Sure. In the file. He, I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. sounds so right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah. Smarter than he would let on sometimes, too. Uh-huh. But, well, we usually start these things off by asking, how did you get into one of the punk music and, and mm-hmm. the punk scene? How did, you, how did you wind up there? Okay. Well, like a lot of the people that you've talked to, I mean, I always listen to music. Yeah. You know, um, I grew up with my dad listening to Johnny Cash. Oh, cool. And singing, you know, what he would call cowboy songs. Yeah, sure. In the car, you Your know, what's that him? one, you know, down in the West Texas town. Of El Paso, Marty, uh, Marty Robbins. Robbins. You know, corny, right? But, you know, that was part of the... What a voice, though. You know, um, uh, I had older cousins that were into Janis Joplin, sure, sure. Um, you know, all of those, uh, Led Zeppelin, The Doors. So I was exposed to all of that. and. You know, listen to from it. a young age. From a young age, and like Cliff, I love Cliff's story about the transistor radio or something. His mom would bring oh, it to right, the beach, right, right, right. Because that was my experience. You know, I always had the sometimes radio. Sometimes they with would me. take it without permission. You know, and then so music was always there. Yeah. Um, probably the first sort of punk record was Lou Reed because Walk on the Wild Side sure. was on the radio. Right. So I was fascinated with that song, and just. You know, read everything I could about Lou Reed and started listening to Velvet Underground. And that so led to so that's New York Dolls. Yeah, yeah. mid 70s. That led to New York Dolls, Mop the Hoople. Sure. You know, so I loved all that. But no one was really listening to that. You know, it was more the arena rock. Sure. Right? Sure. Except the people who wind up in the punk scene. So many of them were. David Bowie, Roxy mm-hmm, Music, mm-hmm. like you say, Mop the Hoople. Mop the I mean, they're a great band. And of course, Velvet Underground and yeah, Iggy and right, yeah, right. So, my brother is a drummer, and he would, you know, uh, he'd been playing since he was like nine years old. So he saw an ad in the Reader one day that Javier from the Zeros had put in the Reader, oh, and he Gabriel. responded to that. Uh huh. And played with them a couple of times, and they kind of said, well, yeah, thanks, but, you know, Baba ended up being their drummer. But out of that, my brother said, you should talk to this guy, Javier. He likes really cool music. So Javier and I somehow started having phone conversations. I hadn't met him. Only my brother had met the Zeros because he played with them, you know. Um, Javier had dropped out of high school. So it was like, wow, okay, really? <laughs> and he was washing dishes in a Chinese restaurant in Chula Vista, and he was playing music. But he was the only one that knew about all of this music, you know, that I'd been listening to. And we would talk about the Velvet Underground, uh-huh. and we would talk about Lou Reed, because we had this fascination, right? And I remember him saying to me one time, <laughs> I don't know if he'd seen this or read it, but he goes, you know, Lou Reed shoots up on stage. <laughs> okay, uh, you know, I'm a kid. I'm 17. I'm going, wow. 
Oh, really? <laughs> you, you know those? Have you ever heard that story? I don't know if I've heard it. Anyway, he told me stage, that, and we just yeah. had these great conversations. And I eventually met him and the other Zeros and became friends with them. And his girlfriend, Rhoda, who also liked a lot of the same music, and her friend was Evie. And then Evie and I got to be really oh, okay. good friends. And Evie knew Kitty from going to concerts. Johnson. And so, yeah. yeah. And like you said, you know, people in the scene, everyone sort of knew each other, but we also had our friends that we hung out with. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. go to shows and I'd see you or whoever. Right. But my group was, you know, the Zeros people. Sure. And the Griswolds. You know, oh, Tom okay. and Tim. Because Tom and I met uh, at the Zero show in L.A. In L.A.? And, yes. Yeah. Their first show in L.A. You know about that. Yeah, right? yeah. So that was that was even before they played at Adams, Adams Avenue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Javier had given me a cassette tape with their songs on it, and I gave it to my friend Audrey, whose boyfriend at the time was Fast Freddy. Okay. And they had this zine called Backdoor Man, and it was <laughs> like the first ma music magazine that I had seen, and it was great uh, because all of those people were so talented in terms of writing right. and they knew everything about music right so she gives the tape to Fred who knew all of these people in LA and it got the uh, zeros their first gig opening for the uh, weirdos and the germs Wow that was incredible right yeah <laughs> I mean I was like oh okay great the zeros are gonna play LA and then Javier calls me one day and he says I don't want to ask you if Hector can borrow your bass. <laughs> what? I had just bought a Fender, a nice little black bass. Well, cool. Because in my naive, you know, oh, I want to play music. But I want to buy a bass guitar because, you know, there's only four strings. Right. <laughs> it's got to be easier to play than a guitar, but, you know, look at my fingers. And I said, well, I don't know, you know, it was the first thing I bought on credit. I think I paid like 30 bucks a month uh -huh. for that bass and that little amplifier. Uh -huh. And he goes, come on, he has his Sears, you know, it's all beat up and you know, yours is gonna look much cooler. So I loaned him You're my right. bass. Right. So that's, you know, in the archive now, pictures of the Zero's <laughs> first <base>. give, with, uh, <laughs> Hector playing my bass. Oh, that's cool. Well, this is kind of a neat story. Well, that, and that so. secures your spot in history. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> yeah, because I don't know, you know, if you've seen or read this book, this John Doe um, History of it. L.A. Punk. How is it? But it's really good. Yeah. No, it is. It's very... Uh, he's asked people to write different chapters. So in the so Elvez chapter, is it he, about him or Elvez talks about this story that I just told you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So here's the whole thing. Jackie Ramirez from San Diego. Had a friend. Audrey lived in Los Angeles. Audrey was dating this guy named Fast Freddy. Dig the spelling. man, yeah. right? So cool. I didn't, well, that's, I, you know, I'm not surprised to find out that you know, a story like that makes it into this it's book just on kind LA. Of a, a cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I did spend a lot of time in LA seeing shows there. And this did guy Fast Freddy had yes. Of course. He had an amazing record collection. You would walk into his room and it was like wall to wall records. And he gave me a copy of Raw Power. Oh really? It's kinda like kid, you know, you need to have this. Because I didn't have it. I I knew about Iggy. You know, but I had so yeah. That, so I mean, that he gave was a me that, record for me and he turned well. me on to a lot of the garage '60s chocolate watch band, Thirteen Floor Elevators, The Seeds, which I just yeah, I love all of that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it was really it was great. So you great experience. So that's what I was doing because I I was into it. I and nothing was happening in San Diego. Yeah. And and I wasn't a musician either. I was doing what noise music. What were you music. doing then? I was like, doing noise. Was your, well, your I, job I was a my or, job was projectionist at the Guild Theater. Oh, right. And it was it was porno in those right, days. Right. Till when till seventy eight, and that's when Landmark took over. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I was working for Landmark. Um, with, I remember seeing Eraserhead there. I ran that. Did that you? Was, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Jose Sinatra. We did midnight movies. Mm-hmm. 
Jose Sinatra did Rocky Horror Picture Show on Saturday night at midnight. I did Eraserhead at at midnight on Friday night. Uh-huh. So that's when that cool. was. And I I watched it nearly every time I ran it. So I've seen that movie far more times than the, any other movie oh, I've ever seen. Oh wow! Not only that, I would run it for friends, like you know, after like three in the morning when theater's empty, mm-hmm. um, and I'd run it for people during the day, friends who'd come in from out of town, for for instance, mm-hmm. or whatever. So I've seen that movie seventy times. Wow! Yeah, but yeah. So I, yeah, I so I, and I so I. Went to San Francisco, went to the Mabuhay up there, and mm-hmm. I remember the first show I saw there was Crime and The Nuns. Speaking oh, of which, you saw The Alejandro. Nuns. Yeah, I never got to see them. That would have been great. Yeah, yeah. And such a, the Escobedos, mm-hmm. such a music fan, Pete Escobedo. And, I know. And, uh, and then Alejandro you know, winds mm-hmm. up in, in The Nuns. That's his first band, mm-hmm. which is wild. Right. Right, <laughs> and he has a huge following. I yeah. mean, he's really yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and Sheila E. Yeah, right. But uh, so, all right. So you're mm-hmm. you meet uh, you Tom. meet Tom Griswold, and we talk we talk like at least once a week. You know, hey, have you heard this or have you heard that? Or he call up and go, hey, guess what? You know, the Avengers or whoever is coming to town. So what did you? We go to shows. A couple of record reviews, uh-huh. uh, but when he first, he, he called me one day and he said, Jackie, we're starting a magazine. He didn't say, oh, you know, what do you think of this idea? <laughs> okay, we're starting a magazine. And I said, I want to interview Richard Hell because I was fascinated with the New York music scene. Yeah. All of those people, the pictures that I saw in rock scene, um, of television, Patti Smith, the Ramones, all of that. Totally fascinated. And I was obsessed with Did you go to the Patti Smith Richard show Hill. at Civic Center? Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. So many of the people that wound and up in the punk scene were I there. said hello to her and Lenny Kay. Really? Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I, I thought it was significant that at, the, at that first uh, punk show on Adams Avenue, and nobody's quite knowing how to dress. They've seen pictures, mm-hmm, and they're not mm-hmm. quite, you know, some people got it better than others, but there were a significant number of women there that were dressed in um, olive drab army pants, white t-shirt, Converse tennis shoes, and black motorcycle jacket. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Patti Smith wore mm-hmm. at that Civic oh, yeah. uh, right. Center show. Right. And so they, and that was like a year or so before Yet they took their cues from that, mm-hmm. but they, they did well to do so. I thought. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> like I said, the New York people just looked way cooler to me in some ways. I mean, you know, they weren't dyeing their hair pink or anything. Right, like that. right. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was just a whole more um, uh, black and white sort of look. I think. Yeah, than yeah. Opposed to. So but, you know, I love the weirdos, and I love the germs, and I love the Weirdos, Destroy All Music by the Weirdos is one of my favorite early yeah. songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so I met so, Tom, too, mm-hmm. at Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talked to Michael Toombs. I didn't know him so well, but I definitely got on with, with, with Tom a lot, mm-hmm. a lot better. He had me out to his house in Point Loma, and... Mm-hmm. I remember I was going to do something, or I did do something for substitute. Oh, I, I, I can't remember exactly what. It might have been a record review, yeah. or yeah. you know something like that, a show review. Um, I did some stuff for uh, Dan McLean's fanzines as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was a a crossword puzzle. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah. The the long for... the long answers were. Band names of yeah. San Diego bands, right. and then the, the the normal filler stuff, you know, yeah. Aloe and Alex, and <laughs> <laughs> right, but, yeah, yeah. So, so I would substitute. I said, you know, I want to interview Richard Hell, and so I I called him, and I I don't know how I got his phone number. I don't remember, right? But I have a cassette somewhere in my storage, wherever, of me asking Richard Hell, you know, if I could interview him for the magazine. And, you know, I'm holding the microphone up to the phone. 
And he said, yeah, you know, I'd love to do it, but why don't you write some questions down on a paper and just send them to me and I'll answer them. So we hung up and I thought, well, okay, I'm gonna do that. So on the back of this substitute flyer, which you wrote you know, the Tom, original questions? Tom had designed this. I should mention that Tom was at um, City College doing a commercial art. So he was really interested in, you know, graphics and, and you know, commercial oh, art, Andy Warhol and, pop sure. and all that. Okay. So he designed this, but on the back, in my very, you know, naive, you know, I, I wrote all these questions oh, for wow. Richard Hell to answer. So I, you know, put it in an envelope, sent it in this envelope. This is Tom's writing, uh -huh. substitute, and this is Richard Hell, you know, when he returned it. So this are three pages of handwritten responses. Wow to my questions Richard from Richard. Can you, I don't know, I just just so blown away by that. Right? I was so blown away by that. And then he says, you know, I'm afraid I've what, had it with writing, but if you want to talk a little more, what did he say? I'll, I'll be willing to. to I'll, uh, I'll try to remember to call you towards the end of the week. Oh. Good luck, Richard. But, you know, he didn't call. But, Regardless, you know, I had this, so then I started transcribing this for this issue. And this is how the in Richard Hell interview came about. Wow, I never knew That's that. That's a great story, I never knew that, yeah. And this photograph is by uh, Roberta Bailey, who did the uh, First Ramones photograph, the black and white okay. First Ramones. Uh, she photographed a lot of the New York bands. Oh, really? Okay. See, I, you know, I really paid attention to that because, you know, well, photography you was, was my thing too. Well, Tom somehow got him. And we didn't get this response back from Richard Hell for quite some time. So I remember him calling Roberta Bailey because she had a stamp on the back of the photo with her phone number, uh -huh. right, and copyright. Uh, okay. but, you know, we need to hold on to your photos for a little longer if we can. And, and she said, sure, yeah, that's fine. So anyway, this is, you know, this is all Tom's paste up and, you know, design uh, sure. <laughs> first penetrator's picture. All right. And so this is the interview, but the reproduction, you know, unfortunately we lost right. a lot of the detail. Oh, here's one of my reviews. I've got some, one of Tom's reviews. So that's when we switched to the newsprint um, format for the next one. But yeah, so this interview, all these questions that he answered on paper, I'm transcribing. Oh, wow. And then I have a picture of you and Dan, right, at Kitty's house. And you both, you guys are both looking at substitutes. Oh, I remember, remember that Remember that picture. one? Yeah, yeah. I, we're, and we're probably anyway. looking at an article about us. Yeah because we're both doing it, so we probably just had gotten it and we wanted to see, you know, what was up with the penetrators in yeah. the magazine. <laughs> it was it was great. I mean, for me, I, I was such a fan, I, I couldn't believe that he'd done this. So about 10 years ago, he was in LA and he did a reading uh, in Venice uh -huh. at, at Beyond Baroque, which that place has been there forever. Okay. As a, a literary uh, sort of I, meeting place. I, John and Exine used to do okay. poetry there. But well, I probably heard about anyway, it. Anyway, so I talked to him, like, you know, Richard, you're probably not going to remember me, but this, that, that. Oh, of course. He was so um, gracious and just so cool. And so he signed this. Nice. Thing. Yeah, and I'm not really surprised to hear that. I um, recently got a little more of the backstory. Um, Terry Ork and Ork Records. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, Richard Hell and Tom Relaine stayed at his house, you know, and that's where they started the Neon Boys. Yeah. Right mm -hmm. there. Right, right. And uh, so Tiny Orc Records was really key in kicking off punk rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have all those 45s. Do you? Yeah, Richard Hell, Early Void Oids, Neon Boys, uh, all of that. So I don't have any Neon Boys. I Ivan have... Julian, who was in the Void Oids, then recorded a single. Oh, very cool. Yeah. yeah. I've I'm got you, uh, huge, Love huge, Comes in huge Spurts. Huge New York and, uh, fan. Of course, fan. Blank Generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the anthem. I mean, if, if I could just write, you know, you could write one anthem, right? right? In your life. Blank Generation, that's it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So there was that. But yeah, Tom was definitely my, you know, 
uh, sort of kindred spirit in uh, music. And then Tim, it was with the photography. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I definitely knew, oh, I knew Tim later on, but mm -hmm. it was Tom I met first, mm -hmm. and we got on great. I just, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I, well, Tom knew everyone. You know, Tom, we couldn't go anywhere without running Tom into was people that were like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but then sometimes he'd be talking to someone for five minutes and then we'd walk away and he'd say, they thought I was Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he would get a kick out of that, you know. That, I'm sure that happened a lot. <laughs> so, well, that's, that is very cool. So, for me, the exciting part was certainly the music, but this kind of like personal uh, connection. Um, because I love, you know, Patti Smith was also... Uh, a huge influence, and I remember where I was when I heard Horses for the sure, first time. Sure, With that opening lyric. Yeah, right? yeah. I do, you I know do. what, you know, Jesus died for somebody's sins. But not mine. But not mine. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> right. right? Oh my gosh. It was amazing. And it was at my friend Audrey's house in L.A. She goes, you have to hear this record. And it was the same experience with the first Ramones album too. Sure. Loud, uh, well, short. Well, so that was okay. You know, that was fast. Kind of <sighs> so I can't remember which one was first. Which one I heard first. Well, I was already into some of that stuff, um, and certainly Ramones. Uh, I was listening to Metal Machine music, mm -hmm. and was super thrilled by that. I wish I had that now. Because yeah. you know it was panned, right? By oh well, a critics. lot of people thought. I mean, it, there was two sides of the argument, but a lot of people thought that that was his fuck you to the record company, right. uh, Warner Brothers, right. I think it was. Right. And because uh, it, it was it, so he aggressive, had, uh, I, I mean, he was right. Well, he, the liner notes on that, he's he, he explains that he's trying to, you know, write some in, something intelligent, as intelligent as. French movies, for instance, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there was nothing like that in, in pop music, and um, so that was one of his comments. I'm sure that a lot of people who just did not get that feedback, you know, could be powerful music, um, thought, well, he's just having everybody on. Mm -hmm. And But I took that record home, it's a two-record set, I listened to all four sides, twice mm -hmm. and was absolute my mind was blown mm -hmm. my attitude about what music could be right was expanded and I was already listening to Eno at that time okay discreet music comes out the very same year 75 mm -hmm. and so that was a really thrilling moment for me so right from then on I'm doing noise music mm -hmm. in 75 yeah, yeah so this is punk hasn't happened yet so that was very influential on you, on, on your personal Absolutely. musical. Absolutely. I'd love that. To as hear much that. as anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and of course, you know, but. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were listening to that, um, you know, all of that, that stuff. Um, and. Well. I was going to go to different, in, a, in a different direction, um, but what I wanted to—I wanted you. You were uh, there was something in in uh, the the book that Ray Brandis wrote that you were interested in. Yeah, I was reading this again, you know, uh, recently, and I'm reading about you know the penetrators and so James. Do you prefer James? Or um, I'm fine with either. Okay. Kind of I was knee as Jim, right? Back then. in the day, I was Jim. Okay. And most people in the punk scene know me as Jim, so that's absolutely fine. Okay. Um, Same here. I, uh, when, uh, well, I went to prison. Oh, that's what I was going to ask and you. And when I came out of in prison, I was James. Well, and when I came out of prison, the, all the people oh I, I newly met after after that, I called myself James. So okay, it's that's one line. Yeah, James Call was in prison. What? And then it goes on to something else, but it doesn't, you know, elaborate. Right. So I'm curious, why were oh, you? Oh, so prison? that's what you wanted to find out about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, what else? It was cocaine. What else? Well, I didn't. I didn't know. Murder. For, one. <laughs> for sale, possession, both. I was. I was a safe house for somebody who was. 
trying to sell to the DEA, people he'd known for three weeks, and he told me, oh, I've known these people for years. Oh, wow. So, oh, my God. Yeah, so he came to my house mm -hmm. to pick it up, and then he took it back and um, sold it to them, and I was already under the radar. Oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, that's how that happened. But were you in Penetrators? No, this point, was no, this was, was penetrators were done. Right, um, this was after. Yeah, this is. Let's see. I was arrested in '85, so <laughs> we'd only been done for about a year. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and then I, I kind of fought it for a couple of years. I had an appeal and mm. and all of that, and uh, so I didn't finally go in until '87. And how long were you in? A year. A year. Yeah. So that was interesting. I'm sure. But it was a you know it was what they call. Um, well, is level one security, so the lightest security, mm -hmm. mostly um, business fraud, tax cheats, and drug dealers okay. is what it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, so actually, it wasn't horrible. Um, the worst of it was the pettiness of the guards. Mm. Uh, and yeah. then the loss of freedom, but yeah. that's the yeah. big thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Oh, what an experience. Totally. Totally. Met some, I met some great people in there. Mormon bishop, uh -huh. <laughs> who was just befuddled at what had happened. I think mm -hmm. he got uh, kind of uh, under the wing of some people who did know they were committing fraud, but he didn't. Oh, At least that was his well, story, and mm -hmm. I, the, his naivete, I kind of believed him. Yeah. But uh, uh, you know, and all that stuff. There was a one guy that. He got caught with a pound, but they charged him with 60 because he was trying to buy 60 pounds. Mm -hmm. But he's trying to buy it from the DEA. So, oh, wow. So he was charged with 60 pounds. There was no such thing as 60 pounds. There was no 60 pounds. Oh. There was only one pound. Uh -huh. uh, but he had money for 60 pounds. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to buy 60 pounds. So that's what he was arrested for. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird, I thought. But. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the pound was the DEA's pound, so yeah. <laughs> whatever. But yeah, that uh, I was still doing, you know, after the Penetrators, I was still doing noise music. Yeah. And yeah. so I was doing um, Love Monsters and the Purple Hand of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar mm -hmm. before and after all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that went on. Yeah. That went on. Wow. Well, in 80... Three, I moved to San Francisco for three years, so I missed some of the you know shows down here during that time. But Hector and Baba from the Zeros had already moved to San Francisco, right? And were in various bands at that point, right? Uh, Hector was in a band called Living Color. They actually they released a an album. Okay, I kind of um, remember that. So yeah. you know there was. Well, you know, there was stuff going on in San Francisco. Sure, supplies, sure. Definitely. Yeah, I, uh, well, I, I just did that uh, uh, show for a uh, punk rock music. Of course, you know, San Francisco, big part of it. Mm -hmm. I love the Sleepers, mm -hmm. Tuxedo Moon, and Nuns. And you got to saw. see the Nuns. That's yeah. pretty cool. And Crime, that, which is also very, oh, yeah. very cool. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them just died. What's his name? Uh, oh, I forget now. But uh, who just died, Johnny? Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, ju yeah, just just recently, mm -hmm. and uh, so oh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so and I can't remember what so shows I saw at the mask. I honestly cannot yeah, remember. Yeah, me either. I want to say the bags one one night. Well, we played with the um, bags a few times, and I think there. So it, it we never played been. the mask. Penetrators oh, okay. never played the mask. Okay. Um, we our first shows in LA were like Madame Wong's Hong Kong Cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Club Eighty Eight is later. Whiskey is later. Roxy, we played. That's where we met Mick Jagger and and Marissa Berenson. Oh, right. Yes, I as, just read that. Yeah. Again <laughs> and Gary, who's like never at a loss for words, right, was talking about how he just couldn't say anything. He was yeah, just yeah. so astounded. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know Gary's a fan. Gary. That's is a what huge I really fan. one of the things I really appreciate about Gary. He turned me on to Tom Waits. 
music of Tom Waits. We were, I think, in waiting for uh, Patti Smith to get in at the California Theater. And Gary was there, and he, we were talking about music, and he said, oh my gosh, you've never heard Tom Waits? Yeah, you've got to hear Tom Waits. Well, anyway. this, the Penetrator song, Fifth and Bop, is a totally Tom Waits mm -hmm. kind yeah, of influenced yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. That. I, you know, I wasn't the biggest Tom Waits fan. I seemed kind of derivative blues and that uh, his gravelly voice seemed so uh -huh. affected and uh -huh. and then Swordfish Trombones came out. Ah, mm -hmm. uh, right, yeah. That caught me right at home. Right, yeah. Uh, now he's on to something. That caught you right at home. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Ah, that caught me right at home. <laughs> yeah, Patty Smith. Someone, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. That Such caught me right at home. <laughs> <laughs> Such oh an God. important show for, for the scene as it developed. Mm -hmm. um, another one would have been Blondie and Iggy. Mm -hmm. um, Blondie didn't have an album out yet mm -hmm. when she did the show with, or they did the show with Iggy. Yeah. And, uh, um, she was so charming and such a big hit at in the show. Everybody loved them. And I mm -hmm. went right out and bought, you know, that first Blondie album. Yeah, yeah. And because... You know, I heard her do Ripper to Shreds yeah. and mm -hmm. Look Good in Blue and yeah. all of that oh, stuff. Yeah, and uh, they were great. And so, I, and I think, you know, a lot of the people that, once again, wind up in punk. Mm -hmm. I had the feeling, especially doing the noise music, I didn't think anybody else in the world could, you know, enjoy this mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. then we found each other. Yeah, exactly. Through the punk scene. Yeah. It's like Javier and I talking about, okay, Lou Reed, right? Yeah. 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 And then one year, it was 78, uh, fall of 78, Evie and I saved up our money and we went to New York. Oh, wow. So we got to go to what CBGB's to go to and see Richard Hell uh -huh. at CBGB's. And again, this was after Substitute had come out. Did you manage you know, to talk me, to him Yeah, about I'm it? with you on my camera. Richard, you know, it's me, this and that. And he, again, was so gracious and so <laughs> nice. He said he remembered. Wow. And then we saw Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers sure. at Max's. And we saw David Johansson. Oh, really? Band. Yes. It was, it was an amazing time to be there. Yeah. But the best story, <laughs> we have to tell you about this. Yes, we please. stayed at the Chelsea Hotel. Oh, wow. Because the it's the Chelsea Hotel, Hotel, but we'd also heard that Sid Vicious and Nancy were staying there. Oh, wow. And they were staying, he was staying under, you know, a pseudonym. I don't remember what it was. So he says, well, why don't you call the front desk and ask if, I don't know, John Smith is here, right? Yeah. And the guy at the front desk, he must have had so many people, you know, calling. And he's like, yeah, he's here. In fact, why don't you ring his room because it's time for him to, to get up. <laughs> it was really weird. I said, well, okay, so I called his room and Nancy Spungen answered the phone and they said, well, this is the front desk. They said, you know, oh, he said, your cab is ready. Tell him his cab is ready. That's what it was. Ah, okay. She hung up, you know, so we should go down the lobby. Maybe we'll get to see Sid. So we're waiting in the lobby. I have my camera around my neck, you know. Down they come the down the stairs, and she's mm -hmm. wearing that outfit that you see in that film, Sid and Nancy, with the leopard skin pants, oh. the black leather jacket, and he's wearing, you know, his leather jacket. And so that jeans. was accurately chosen. Yes. Costuming. And, he's, and, and she's pushing him along. You know, she has him by the arm, like leading him like that. And I said, hi, Sid, can I take your picture? Sure, you know, kind of slurring his word. <laughs> Nancy goes, no. And she pulled him away and like started, you know, leading him out the door. <laughs> she wouldn't let me take his picture. So I have a picture of the side of Nancy's head and the side of Sid Vicious' head <laughs> in the Chelsea lobby as she's like, you know, shoving him out the door. And then I got a picture of them getting into the cab. Well, but what a moment! We're that's like, so we just saw so Nancy Spungen. I know, controlling exactly, exactly. And it wasn't until later when that movie was released, right? Sid yeah. and Nancy. I went. Gary Oldman. They and... cast her perfectly, and Gary Oldman was with Courtney too. Love. Yeah, 
No, it was another actress whose name I can't think of right now, but she was in Mommy Dearest. Oh, she portrayed right, 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 Christina, right. the daughter. What is her name? I can't think of her name now. Yeah, I'm thinking of but the, that the was, one she did with uh, um, Flint, Larry Flint. Oh, right. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that which was, was great. Love. Which that was, was great. Courtney Love. Love. Yeah. yeah, that was great. But yeah, no, but I can't Nancy remember. Was good can't movie. remember her name, but she was Diana. Scarwood? Yes, yeah. very good. Yeah. And she had that same, well, well she affected that same, now, right? you know, really yeah, just, yeah. gosh, well, she they just both controlled him. Yeah, they did. Great movie. Yeah, but just we, to be in New York at that time was very exciting. Yeah, For two, I, you know, I was we were there. so young, and so, you know, how my mom let me go, I'll never know, but we had saved our money and gone. <laughs> and, you know, drinking age was 18, so we're like, whoa, okay, we're set, you know. Wee. Wee. <laughs> we saw Suicide. Oh. Did you ever listen to Suicide? I've, I had that record. I had the, I'm Mark sure that you would appreciate that. You know, that I got that first Suicide album, absolutely, right up my alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. What was the other expression you used early here? Not right at my Caught own. me at home? Yeah, that one <laughs> caught you at home, too. I'm sure that one caught you at home. Definitely caught me at home. Yeah, that was a, a really good show, too. We drove to Philly to see um, Suicide. Oh, me wow. And Evie and some friends of ours that live on the uh, East Coast. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we thought, boy, we're just so sophisticated, you know? We're in New York. Now we're going to Philly. We're going to see Suicide. It was great. <laughs> well, okay. So those are the those are the early days. That's like uh, you know, 78, 79, yeah. 80, right in there. Yeah. So where do you Hugely go from there? Preventive. Yeah. Where do you go from right, there? Exactly. Exactly. I know the Penetrators were playing and, and you know, we oh. were, Did well, you? in 1981, we were still getting played on, you know, Rodney Bingenheimer. Yeah, and, yeah. And K-Rock and, and, and we were, you know, we were touring Thank a lot. goodness for Rodney's show. Absolutely. Well, I mean, really, he was... Absolutely. Rodney he was so open to... Yeah. If not... Kim Audrey Bally. and I went to his di the last days of his disco. Remember Rodney's English disco? Yeah, yeah, we played there. And I think he had just either left or sold the place. I don't know if he owned it. Because we went in there and we tried to, you know, order a beer. <laughs> we were underage. And Audrey said... Well, Rodney used to always give us beer, you know, <laughs> thinking that that would. And the guy said, "Well, he's not here anymore, is he?" So we, that's our, <laughs> you know, work. didn't work. But we did go see, you know, did go to the English disco. Well, it's a good thing you that didn't was say another fascination, right? Yeah. They would have kicked you out. Yeah, they would have kicked <laughs> us out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Did the Penetrators ever open for Nick Lowe no. at the? Where was it at? Um, I would remember Downtown that. at the, uh, was it Balboa Theater? Where there were some, you know, larger shows. Sure. Um, because somewhere in a box, I have a picture of Gary with Nick Lowe. And I've told gone. Gary about this, and he's like, can you just send that to me? And I said, I'm trying to he find totally it. I'm not an archivist yeah. like and Margaret. Everything's I everywhere. Um, I don't. I don't think I did. And, uh, so and he I, was at the show. It wasn't like you guys likely. played that show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever listen to Mink Deville? Yeah, yeah. I love Mink Deville, yeah, and they I, played was, there too. What was the Mink Deville? And I have pictures of Willie Deville, because of Cadillac? course I got his autograph too. I mean, let's talk about nerd, because right? <laughs> I really was. A pretty quiet kind of shy kid sure. but having the camera it was kind of like okay this is your way, way or <laughs> asking for an autograph you right? know yeah and who knew that all of those people would be so personable the only person who was cold ever that didn't want to be bothered was Tom Verlaine Oh, really? He played a solo show at the Starwood. Uh -huh. So I went up to LA to see him. I mean, adored his television. I love television. Little Johnny Jr. And the guitar sounds of Tom, Tom Verlaine. Yeah. You know? And he's walking through the crowd, and yeah, he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop to chat or anything. He just said no. Oh, well. <laughs> they can't on all be gems. Yeah, day. yeah. Or, well, maybe that's just the way he was. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I could not say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Verlaine. I and and I did. So I, you know, I don't even have any neon boys. 
Um, no? Oh. Yeah. And uh, I must have heard them, but I'm not recalling mm -hmm. having oh, done I, so. I, I, that reminds me, I, I need to go. Look through your records? Yeah, look uh -huh. through my records. I did a show on, on uh, that was all Orc records. Oh. One of my radio shows. And I that need, was I need to hear those, but you don't have them anywhere other than a USB yeah, right. in your pocket. Right. <laughs> well, that, I'm not, that would be on a, you know, I mean, I guess I could turn it but. on during my class. Hey, kids, listen to this. Right. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to look <laughs> that up. I should do that show again, though. Just, you know, Yeah, I'd like to hear it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, it's so archival, you mm -hmm. know, it's so key. And, you know, okay, so my, I didn't know. Well, I did. I was aware of the Ramones. Mm. I was and the Cramps oh, and the Talking yeah. Heads, oh, yeah. and so I'm. I knew all that stuff was coming out of New York, and that stuff was happening. But Patty uh, Smith, absolutely, yeah. oh, Patty yeah. Smith. Oh. I, you know, I was at both of those. You know, the the Iggy and mm -hmm. which was it's real similar, real real close in time. Iggy and and Blondie, and then and then Patty Smith, and uh, so yeah, those were important shows for San, San Diego mm -hmm. but uh, I I uh, I didn't know um, that that was a new movement they, they, they seem like one-offs they seem like really unique bands and really unique music mm -hmm. but I didn't associate it as a genre right so the genre yeah, yeah. doesn't happen until that was kind of who defined that, right? Yeah, the and, media. Yeah, remember all the news like things about punk rock and suddenly the world now. is interested in this mu music. Yeah, it'd been going on for four years, right? In, in, and not being called that in New York, mm -hmm. but then the Ramones tour England, and all these bands yeah. want to be the Ramones now. Yeah, and and so now the world's interested. Now, was it Malcolm McLaren? I don't know. Why suddenly is it the Sex Pistols and the and Crass and the Clash, yeah, you know, right, that are right. getting all the glory for this new genre? <laughs> right. When you know, and then there became that whole you know, spiky hair versus New York and kind safety of thing. Bends. Yeah, right. that's all happening in New York for yeah. a couple of years. Right. Sooner. You know, so, Johnny Thunder's even recorded a, a response to like the England punks, right? Uh, yeah, really? Little London boy. Oh, right. That? You poor little I, puppet, or something like I that. Didn't realize, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Johnny I, Thunders uh, was here a couple times. You've seen him, right? You know, I there's know. more great photographs not. on the. If you wouldn't, because I want to show you Please. a Polaroid. Yeah. But he played at the Spirit, and I think he I played at the that. Bacchanal. Do you remember the Bacchanal? So I didn't see the one of that those shows. That had a weird, like slanted. Uh, floor. I so very me well remember being five three, I remember it, I, I'd have to go back in the back to see anything, but I'd be so frustrated that I was so far away from the band. So there. I would try to make my way up the front. I do remember that the pack was higher than the. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know why that was, but it was. I remember that. Yeah, we played there a couple of times, and I saw plenty of shows there as well. And then you know, Mark Rood had. Had painted the oh, stage. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. 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 Um, there real, the he was an interesting guy. Totally. Oh, thanks for bringing those. I hope the one that, that I wanted to show you. Well, here's pictures of Iggy from the show there. Which show? See, that's what I'm trying. I can't remember now. So we played with him at the, the Roxy. But this was. I that looks this earlier, was, though. I think this was San Diego. See, well, no, the Roxy and the Roxy Theater on Cass Street in PB. Oh, we I saw Perubu there. We oh, played no, a couple of times that. there. One of them was with Iggy. Um, did you see the first Ramones show at Montezuma Hall? Yeah, I was there. I this was not in the band yet. This is where I got yet. my prize photo. I mean, look at this photo. Really? This is a kid so that's from that show. Yes, who's just starting to understand f-stops and shutter speed <laughs> it's hilarious to me because i teach this now and all i knew was he's moving really fast i've got to try and stop the action right 
but the light's really low. Oh, so right. what else do I do? Oh, what do I do with my ass top? I just got lucky, and I was pressed against the stage, and people were like, ah, pushing. And I got this photo, which is, I love this picture. So sharp. Yeah. And, you know, so, it, it, I mean, it's, you know, on film. So when I developed that negative, I went, oh, my gosh, that's like the best picture I've ever taken. And then until I got this one from the California Theater of Patty uh, Smith. sure. Now, I didn't print this one. I had someone else printed it. But look at this photo. I don't know, in terms of a yeah, photo, right. they're, they're memories for me, but they're also... I think pretty interesting. <laughs> so I did miss that show. Um, and I have students that come to class and they wear Ramon's shirts or what have you. And I've stopped asking them about it because most of the time it's, I just like the logo. Yeah. Like, you, listen to, you know? It's a great logo, absolutely. And, um, Do you know who But I have this one student that early in the semester she had on a Ramon's t-shirt. And so I said, oh, that's a really cool shirt. But I didn't ask her about it because I didn't want to be disappointed that, you know, she just liked the logo. Or, or sure. Uh, last week, she came into class with a different Ramones shirt. So I thought, okay, she's got two. Ramones. There's going to be something yeah. going on there. So I finally asked her. She goes, I love the Ramones. <laughs> I love them. My dad listens to them. <laughs> and so I'm going to bring this photo in next oh, week, cool. I think. And I'm going to go, show, tell your dad about this. But, you know, it's, it was just great that she, I mean, she listened to the Ramones. I know. And her buddy in class brought in, he, he said, I've got to show you this thing I found at a thrift store. And he brings in a Polaroid SX-70 camera, uh -huh. you know, the kind that fold up. Okay. And he goes, and it works. He goes, I put a pack <laughs> of film in it. And he goes, and you know, this is like the one Andy Warhol used to use. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you. Goodness for the youth because, and these kids, they're so earnest, you know, there's no pretense or, you know, trying to be hipster or anything. Sure. They were just so intense, you know, she loves the Ramones and he's, her, her buddy has his Polaroid. You know, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm finding, it's, it's fun. I'm finding that with a lot of the students at City College mm -hmm. as well. Um, I, I don't know, is there less pretense than than there used to be a less attempt to be cool or Maybe. And, uh, you know I, there's less disdain there's uh, I, I don't know what it is uh, but um, I'm really impressed well for instance um, the politics of of uh, you know young students uh, mm -hmm. Emma Goldberg uh, and, oh, and David right. Hogg. Oh, yeah. Uh, so oh, eloquent yes. and and so um, unapologetic for you know their views and so critical of of you know the, the establishment. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so eloquently though. Yeah. So so, and I see that as part of of you know things I'm seeing locally as as well. This earnestness that you you mm -hmm. talk about, I see it as well. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Which gives me a lot of encouragement for yeah, right. you know politics. It does me as well. Because someone said to me once, you know, how can you stand to be around you know all these eighteen to twenty two year olds all the time? I'm like, are you kidding? I right. mean, not all of them are going to be like this, but for sure, the most sure, sure. part, they're engaged. Yeah. You know, when I can remind them to. Okay, you know, put that down. We're here <laughs> now, right? Yeah, is it the internet? Is that, I, I, I don't know. No, they, that's a whole other. Well, right, and then I think the necessity of change mm -hmm. is probably as important and emphatic as it's been in my lifetime. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, and I, I think they get, well, okay, so I, how old is your son? By he's the way. 27, 28. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, he's very is political. Is he a musician? Kind of. Yeah, he played bass in a uh, in a band called uh, Damned for Eternity. They were kind of oh. you know thrashcore. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he, he only did that briefly though. And you know, I certainly never led him into any any of that. Um, it was all him wanting to 
do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't doing much music as he was coming up mm -hmm. in those days. That's when I was writing for Hypno Magazine. And, okay. And uh, so, yeah, so really. What was Hypno? Was it music? Or yeah, hypno? well, it culture. Okay. It was culture. Mm -hmm. I was the music editor, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, we, there was some good art um, articles, though. We had Peter Hustis as our art editor who uh, went to D.C. and got a job at the National Institute of Art there. Government, wow. government job. He's wow. got a you know, GS rating. Mm -hmm. and good for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he was really, really interesting. But uh, I looked this up. I kind of figured it out. I, you know, went, there's some you know, government statistics on that. Between 2016 and 2020, mm -hmm. 40 million Americans over the age of 60 will die. Mm. And during the same period, 16 million Americans were, will turn 18. Mm. So that, yeah. I, I see demographic, sh uh, shift, demographic yeah. shift yeah. in numbers like that right. that encourage me mm -hmm. because of the kinds of young people that I'm meeting at mm -hmm. City College mm -hmm. and Same meeting here, through yeah. the music scene and and uh, they just seem so engaged and so mm -hmm. we have to do something. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. 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 It is. It's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. So I enjoy being around the youth. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, um, my uh, my son has been a vector. To that world as well as well um, but uh, I don't know I always kind of did that I was I was the oldest in the guy in the penetrators and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know I and not that it was I want to hang around young people it's I want to hang around these people yeah they're having fun right I wanna, you know, yeah I want to yeah. have fun mm -hmm. so yeah it was like that right right Whatever happened to Steve Kelly? Did you know him? I know that name. I don't really know anything about him, though. Um, but yeah, uh, his his name has actually come up several friendly, times in the interviews. Good guy, yeah. But I don't. I, I didn't know him that well. And what about Scott Harrington? Oh yeah. He was in the first sort of. Yeah, the first time I saw the Penetrators, it was uh -huh. Scott. Yeah, um, those are other pictures I have somewhere of uh, some black and white photos of Scott and Dan McLean and Dan and McLean liked... smoking a cigarette that was like this long. <laughs> Isn't that funny how you remember images, you know, right. and I'm like, wow, I can't. There's I don't know how there. he feels about it. We, yeah. uh, one of the reunion shows, he got up and played with us on, oh. on, a, on a song or two, mm -hmm. which was cool. Mm -hmm. um, well, the story goes that he didn't think, um, and the, actually the band was broke up. Mm -hmm. and when Gary gets a call from whoever put on that backdoor show, um, uh -huh. I mean, Montezuma Hall show with the Ramones, do you want to be on the Ramones? Right. Gary said yes. Of course, yeah. Sure. The band's broke up. Gary's saying yes. yes. Uh -huh. So he calls up Dan, he calls up Chris, he calls up Scott. Scott thinks we're not ready for that. Oh. And he says, I, I, we, I, don't, I don't want to do it. So Chris Davies, though, was a big fan already. And because the penetrators have been around for eight, nine months at mm -hmm, that point. Mm -hmm. Turns out Chris had recorded, cassette recorded one of the penetrator shows and had learned all of the songs. Wow. Already. Mm -hmm. Without any thought that uh -huh. this might, you know, put me in the band. Yeah, right. So, but somehow Gary knew this. Um, that Gary, I had to ask Gary how he knew that. Mm -hmm. Did Chris get a hold of him or whatever? So, but anyway, somehow he gets a hold of, of Chris Davies. We need a guitarist. Can you do this? Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And he was brilliant. Um, yeah. It was one of the best penetrator shows I'd ever seen. Possibly they were pumped up because of you know opening for the Ramones. Oh, right, right. But um, Davies is a cleaner, had a cleaner sound than mm -hmm. Scott. I like dirty, you know, ragged. Mm -hmm. Guitar leads love that, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I did appreciate Scott Harrington's for that. Mm -hmm. But somehow it fit better, I mm -hmm. thought, with okay. with 
the penetrators, his, his cleaner sound. Uh -huh. and, so, and he was pr more precise, and it just gave some bite to the guitar leads in, in next to Chris's bass. So I wasn't in yet, in the band yet, mm -hmm. but I'd already recorded Sensitive Boy with them. Mm -hmm. So, and we were in the process of getting me learn some more songs. Because I'm a noise musician. I'm not a musician at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> so um, the first time I ever played on stage with them, I was only on four songs, but it was opening for David Johansson at the back door. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I remember that. So I had, why I have pictures of David Johansson. Were you there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But continue with your story because well, I have a picture of. It's it's kind of funny because uh, I had friends, close friends, really, who didn't know I was a musician at all. Really, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had some friends in this band, Tillman Thomas, and you know they're oh, yeah. knocking I themselves out, yeah. trying to get a record deal, mm -hmm. and they're. Right. trying to get you know originals recorded <clears throat> and you know I, I used to go to the their shows at uh, well you know they were doing four set gigs at the neutral grounds mm. was the name of the place mm -hmm. it was just you know dance club mm -hmm. and uh, so I said I'm I'm uh, opening for David Johansson at the back door and they're, they're they said who's that they're what no they knew who they, knew they who opened for Tillman Thomas opened for the New York Dolls when they played at, at JJ's? JJ's. Yeah. I didn't go. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, Evie went and Rhoda went. I think Javier went. This oh, really? was before I met them. Right. Okay, right. And then. Because this is, yeah, this is before. All of yeah, that. it was way before. And uh, so. So their were... credibility <laughs> shot way up when I heard that. Well, we were but backstage that's awesome. with them. And. They were kind of dicks to us, but whatever. Mm -hmm. It was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great show. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, and they can't, they're late? <laughs> you're, you're doing what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, opening how? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in the penetrators. What? <laughs> so that was so funny. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, at any rate. So, well then, all right, so yeah, okay. So the scene's kind of petering out, really. Um, mm -hmm. It's still going on. Tim Mays is doing shows, and I, we continue to go to, to some of those things, mm -hmm. like Wabash Hall and uh -huh. Lions Club. And, right. Yeah. I Do saw you remember the, the Pink Panther? I mean, that really wasn't a band it was just a the, bar. It was too small for. They didn't but, have a uh, stage. But Tom would do DJ I nights DJ'd there. there Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun place. It was a fun place. It was a real hang. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of where Tim's bar scene first coalesced. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'd done years of shows by that point um, at you know whatever hall he could rent and right. all the problems attendant to that, permits and um, VFW people, wait, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But... Um, so yeah, it kind of coalesced around that, and then of course they wanted a place where they could have music, and that's the, um, how the the original Casbah, the first Casbah, right. which came, became the Pirates Den and some other yeah, yeah. names as well. What was the first show at the original Casbah? Um, I think Tim actually mentioned that. You'll have to listen to that. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's the one I haven't listened to yet. Yeah, I think he does mention. Uh -huh what it was I can't remember now but um, yeah well and so I'm I'm kind of out of it but certainly when, but when hardcore is happening I'm kind of backing away because I, I I was more kind of the on the arty side of mm -hmm. that was my, like mid 80s I guess right hardcore. yeah yeah even mm -hmm. earlier actually so I remember um, in San Francisco I wanted to see Black Flag. I mean, uh -huh. not that they're, you know, hardcore, but they did attract a certain sure. amount of... And Evie and Guy, who was, um, you know, Rhoda's little brother, he was living in San Francisco, too. Oh, are we really sure we want to go see Black Flag, <laughs> you know? Right. But we all, you know, get on the Muni bus and we go to this, this place to see Black Flag. And yeah, the audience was pretty intense. 
Yeah. Like I didn't want to be up in the front anymore, sure. but it was a great show. I Henry Rollins was awesome. Oh, right. He was okay. amazing on stage. Really? With Black Flag. Yeah, I thought so. It was like, wow. And so at the end, we were all glad that we went. The only time you know, I saw it was uh, Henry Rollins, and I did see Black Flag, but Henry Rollins wasn't there yet, mm -hmm. um, was when he did a poetry reading. At the Whiskey? No. I it, saw no, him no, it was at, at the um, Whiskey with uh, Egg Scene. Oh, right. Well, I think it was really a similar time period. It must have been. Because it was at uh, some... I guess it was Montezuma Hall. Um, and me and Claude Coma did... He was doing music. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was... Uh, you know, I, I played saxophone by him. Right. right. So it was kind of beat Nicky. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see that show. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah. And but it was Henry Rollins reading. Doing, oh, yeah, spoken mm, word. Spoken word. Vivian. Was she Vivian yet? No, I Did think he? it was still Claude Coma. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, that's when I... But, yeah, even as a band, we were kind of backing away from that scene. I remember there was one skinhead band that we were put on a bill with and Dan oh. McLean just refused. Right. And I we right on. Yeah. Yeah. Nazi punk, fuck off. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So but anyway. Well, is there anything else you want to show us here? <laughs> well, you know, I love to show the photographs. Only because these have been just everywhere and I'm trying to archive them now, you yeah. know, put them all together. As, as but well that image should, of, um, of Patti Smith from the show at the, it was the California Theater, actually. Okay. You know, which the one they're tearing down now, or they so, have torn down. Such a beautiful. So my friends and I are waiting outside the California Theater, and out comes, you know, Lenny Kay. This is Ivan Krall. Oh, wow. Her guitarist. Right. And this picture ended up in Rock Scene because I sent it to Lenny Kay. Remember Doc Rock, that column? Oh, in right. Scene? Okay, I loved Lenny Kay. Loved him because of his musical taste and knowledge, and he was also very approachable. I mean, so they does he all have were. a picture of you? Isn't that a great photo? No, he's just holding his camera. Oh. <laughs> I know. But he was very much into the Stones. You yeah, know. Sure. He's Look wearing. Let's see, later he's wearing, it's just the same show, I think this is after or before. He's wearing a Keith Richards yeah, shirt. Right. And here's Lenny Kay, like autographing every, you know, stuff for us. It was really, you know, like I said, they were so accessible. But it was that show where I got that picture and um, well, just kind of stayed in contact with, with Lenny Kay. Really? Who also sent me a bunch of stuff. Oh, wow. I have a note from him. I have a photo that he sent me. And it's kind of interesting on the back of this photo, the photographer was Roberta Bailey, who shot the Richard Hell photos that we oh, borrowed wow. for. So that's how we got her phone number because it was on the stamp. Wow. So. It always blew me away how, you know, here he writes, you know, this, he sends me this, and then I get postcards, you know, and there was like nothing, it was just me as a fan <laughs> writing to Lenny and he would respond. Isn't... He was so sweet and you know, when they played at the Spreckles Theater, this was 2010 or 2011, he's in the lobby with Patty and she's autographing books at a table. And I said, Lenny, you know, you probably don't remember me. I'm Jack. He goes, Are you kidding, Jackie? Of course I remember you. He's just so right. Funny. You know, and it is, I guess it oh, is. Oh, and this one he sent to Jackie and Tom. Uh, right. <laughs> so that uh, accessibility. Oh, did you catch the Jim Carroll show in San Francisco? Well, yes, because he, he, he played here. with Jim Carroll a few times. They actually played here at, I don't remember what what club it was. <laughs> Times Square. But I, isn't that, uh, what I was, was going to say is the accessibility of, you know, the people who had sort of made it, you know, were more 
popular well, too. And I know you, people still, are surprised, but my, I, I've been interviewed you know, world-known yeah. bands, yeah. and I find that to be generally the mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. that graciousness and mm-hmm. you know well, i mean good, yeah. when you're adulated to a degree yeah. you can afford to be gracious right uh, not every not all of them are you know not of all you know some of them get do get the mm-hmm. kind of uppity that like you think a lot of them would but yeah they don't. right oh okay it's an interesting how accessible and how how friendly and mm-hmm. And, uh, and all that the, they actually were, but I found that to be mostly the case. Mm-hmm. So, which was nice to yeah. learn. And I know the dynamic of that, we got to participate in some of that too, because, you know, I mean, there's still some autographs mm-hmm. and to this day. Yeah, right. We were interviewed quite a bit on yeah. radio and for print and, and, we were always pretty friendly, I thought, I think. Oh, you sure, know. yeah, yeah. And um, so I, I, I thought it was much more natural mm-hmm. to respond graciously to the, the adulation mm-hmm. than sure. any other yeah. way that you might respond to that. Right, And so right. I kind of got it. You know? Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So that, um, and I, 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 th- I thought it was it's strange. Adulation is a strange thing to me. I because yeah. I kind of don't. I'm I'm not yeah. worshipful of, of the idols. I right. appreciate their accomplishments and the magic yes. they, cre- they create. Yes, uh-huh. I'm more there now. But when I was <laughs> younger, I was just you know it was just stars in the eyes. Right. And I'm sure you know they could see that. <laughs> okay. Right. You and know, so I'll that's just, cool. That's cool. I'll let this kid take my photo. You know, I'll send her. But when somebody come to me and they, you know, they they liked it, an article of clothing and they wanted to find some of that for themselves and I oh to, sure, you know, yeah. I, I thought well that's weird, but I mean I've never been like that, but you know, yeah, oh yeah, I got these at the thrift store and you know maybe you can find some there too, and kind yeah, of thing, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Neat. Well, I, I I think we've got lots of stuff here, okay. Jackie. Thank you so sure. much. Oh, yeah. And I do want to it's tell fun. you, my mother's I mean, name is Jacqueline. Oh, okay. And they call her, it's spelled the same way. Oh, good. They call her Jackie, too. And uh, so, so uh, I just wanted to mention that. Oh, okay. That's it, nice to know. It's not a real well, common name. Well, no, it's not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and they call her Jackie probably more than Jacqueline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And my mom Jackie would go, Cole. "You're not a Jackie." And or I'd Jack. Go, they even called her Jack. Some yeah, I don't like her. being called Jack. Right. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me Jackie. Okay. Me <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, once again, yeah. thank you very oh, much sure. for it's having us in your house really here. Yeah, it's your been fun. kitchen here with our equipment and all and talking to you. Mm-hmm. The folks. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. All right. Thanks. This edition of Punk Lives was produced by Henry Dean Jepson, recorded by David Robles, and I'm your host, James Call.